What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Wendell. And I'm wild. And thank you so much for <laughs> hanging out with us today as we get into another spooky movie. But this time, it's covered in snow. Uh, well, <laughs> so, obviously, last week, we were like, oh, it's December. We're getting into Christmas or the holiday horror. Woo-woo. That is still true. That still mm-hmm. stands. However, this first movie of the month is a gift to us. Um, this is our special present to ourselves because we have wanted to talk about Wendell and Wild since it came out. Mm-hmm. And just couldn't fit it in. True. Anywhere else. We had a busy schedule. We had a big there was a lot of things coming out, a lot of things we wanted mm-hmm. to cover, and we had a lot of preemptive plans, so it got a little backburnered, unfortunately. Yes, got pushed to the wayside a little bit, um, but it just so happened that December was kind of boot scooting boogieing up to us, and we didn't have anything planned for the first Monday, i.e. Mm-hmm. this Monday, today, if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out. <laughs> um, we didn't have anything planned, and so we just kind of slipped Wendell and Wild in there, but you know what? It actually kind of worked out because it's obviously cold. In this movie, mm-hmm. There's a lot of snow. The temp is down. Um, it's colorful, like the holidays. It's got a lot of the holiday vibes to it. It's made by the yeah. guy that made Nightmare Before Christmas. You know, this is kind of like our nightmare to you guys before Christmas. Not counting our nightmare episode. Just ignore that right now. That's not part right. of this point. Right. <laughs> so it works. It fits the theme. Like, if anybody wants to tell us it doesn't work, we're not going to listen to you. We think it works. <laughs> right, right. It's like, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't be the Grinch. It, it is what it is. Um, and we're just excited to talk about it today. Because as you guys know from if you listen to our Coraline episode, stop motion just kind of does it for us. True, true. It hits a little bit differently. It hits very differently, and also, too, Monkey Paw Productions kind of does it for us. So we're getting hit correctly, (laughs) Uh, hit just right by two angles. (laughs) And also, Mm -hmm. too, um, Henry Selleck also do be hidden. Truly. In the right capacity. This thing is, it's basically things are lining up for this to be a hit. Yes. So we are very, very excited to talk about this movie today. Um, A little bit, like we said, late to the train, but uh, fashionably fashionably late to the train. So uh, needless to say, this was our one little cheat sheet day. The rest of the month will be holiday horror. And when I mean that, I mean like 
Christmas themed horror movies to uh, some degree. So yes, this is our one day of bending the rules ever so slightly. We will be coloring inside of the lines for the rest of the month. We hope that you homies will forgive us. But before (laughs) we get into this movie, we need to do our scare scale and talk about how scary this is. I'm going to tweak the scare scale a little bit. Okay. Uh, for the okay. month of December. On a scale of one to five, with five being the naughty, the naughtiest Ooh. it could be, and one being the nicest it could be. Okay. Where does Wendell and Wild land? Hmm. I'm going to say a two and a half out of five on the, on the naughty scale. A little bit between of the naughty and nice scale, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, mostly because, like, you know, it's a stop motion. It's a PG thirteen. Um, it is geared to be a kids movie, but as far as kids movies go, this one gets pretty dark in places and has some adult themes and mm-hmm. some adult situations that I think, uh, depending on who you're watching this with, may or may not frighten them. Uh, and the overall air of this movie in general is kind of on the darker side. There is light, there is joy, there's there's these elements that you're familiar with in stop motion, but I think there's enough uh, spookiness and uh, creepy factor in here to warrant a couple extra points. So I'm going to say 2.5 out of 5. Okay, that's fair. I'm going to give this movie a 1.5 out of 5 it's leaning more on the nice list for me um i'd agree with you it's creepy it's spooky mysterious and kooky um Mm -hmm. but i think for me although there are some moments that i imagine for younger like kids or even potentially like teens could be a little bit terrifying um like flashes of those moments for me i think the creepiness factor similarly to stephen king movies the creepiness factor for me relies on some of the more realistic aspects of this movie um so that is scary some of those Mm -hmm. moments are really frightening like the ideas of them um but i think that there's enough entertainment enough voom happening at other times and enough comedy interspersed within this movie that it always leans a little bit more on the light side for me so that's the only reason i'm thinking more of a 1.5 um on the on the nice list this one is you know that's pretty fair honestly you've convinced me i think i'd bring it down to like a two maybe i I was like thinking in the context of like the age group that this is geared towards which is fair um you know, but even still, I think I'm not giving the younger kids enough credit here. They're probably braver than I think they are. So <laughs> we'll, we'll bring it down to it, too. That's that's fair. And I will say, I think that this is a good starter. Like if you're looking to get maybe some younger kids into horror um, and you're wanting to introduce violence, I think that this is what this movie might ha- maybe has on Coraline because I said a similar thing about that movie. We'll say this movie is more violent than Coraline. And if you're wanting true, to introduce true. that to maybe your kids or, you know, littler kids who have not been ex- experienced that, but they're like interested in scary movies, I honestly think that this might be a good starter pack for them. Maybe do mm-hmm. Coraline and then bump up to Wendell and Wild and then bump up to Saw. 
that's the only that's the only good progression scale the, there. Yeah, the most linear um, jump, I think. If you're trying, if you're trying to do it right, that's the way to go. <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> um but all right we are entering into spoiler territory homie so you have been warned but today we are talking about wendell and wild from 2022 this movie was directed by henry selick with a screenplay by henry selick along with jordan peele starring lyric ross as cat keegan michael key as wendell and jordan peele as wild when eight-year-old Kat loses her parents during a tragic car accident, it spirals her life and the town of Rustbank out of control. Five years later, a now juvenile Kat returns to Rustbank to attend RBC through the Break the Cycle program. But after receiving a strange mark on her hand during class and meeting a stranger pair of demons offering to bring back her parents, Kat is about to raise hell in Rustbank. Insert punk rock boom boxes, magical scalp cream, and two mischievous architects named Wendell and Wild here. Our film concludes with Kat facing her demons, and challenging the greedy Klaxon Corp for the soul of her town. Also, I think Kat's gonna be the best thing to happen to RBC in a long time. Roll credits. All right, so first things first. Something I would like to say that would have been more poignant if this episode had come out right when this movie came out but you know what <laughs> i'm still taking a stand <laughs> the, the point still stands go ahead that i do think it's important that very similarly i i just noticed this when this movie came out mm -hmm. now like i said time has passed and i maybe people have started talking about this movie differently but I'm a little bit, I don't, I'm going to ride or die for Henry a little bit. I just want to say, I think when you get bigger names or more mainstream names that are put on these movies, um, that people almost latch onto that name and give that person all of the accolades for the film, uh, such as Tim Burton's A Nightmare Before Christmas, which mm -hmm. was directed by Henry Selick, but is notoriously like people say is directed by tim burton right um i feel like it's the same thing with this one people saw monkey paw and knew jordan peele was in it and then assumed that jordan peele was the director of this movie i am mm -hmm. um, it's henry selick and i just want to make sure that everybody <laughs> you know knows that and and we don't have another tim burton situation where obviously they're a part of it. They're especially, yeah. they're a huge part, especially with stop motion, which is such a team effort. Mm -hmm. It's it's not unfair to also give them, you know, their, their due for participating in this. But if you, most movies, I would say most movies that aren't stop motion, you always talk about the director. Like yeah. you always say like, 
this person this was directed by. And so I just want to make sure that um, although Jordan Peele played a very large part, Monkey Paw played a very large part, uh, this movie was directed and may and a lot of it was Henry Selleck. No, and I just very, to make sure. Very, very true. I think that's that's still a fine point to make because um, I myself was definitely guilty of that when this movie was coming out and mm. you see the monkey paw on there, you see Jordan Peele's name, especially for someone who has basically taken this genre and industry by storm for the past couple of years. It's It just happens, right, that people will affiliate yeah. that person to the project. But yeah, once actually watching the movie, doing a little bit of research, seeing the behind the scenes and seeing how much of this um, was a passion project for Henry Selleck, I do think it's important to still note like hey give give credit where credit is also due you know what i mean right um yeah it's just it's it especially because for something like this which for stop motion we've talked about it before it takes you have to be so dedicated to this because it's going to take so long yeah to finish and complete and release it's not just uh oh this is gonna be a nine month project this is years and years worth of work. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, yeah, it's like, let's give, let's, let's go ahead and give the man his flowers for, for all of the work that he did. And I just, I think I, I really realized it with this one because I do think a, a similar thing happened with the new Candyman. It's like everybody saw Monkey Paw and assumed it was Jordan Peele when Nia DaCosta was the director of it. Right. I feel like a lot of times her name kind of got pushed down. Um, on the list of credits when people were talking about it. And I'm like, we just want to keep it. You know, we want the homies to be informed. We don't want you guys going out there, missing out on trivia questions or stuff. Uh, you know, shouting the wrong answer. Talking yeah. about Tim Burton when it's Henry Selleck. We just don't want to <laughs> see that for you guys. So I just wanted to, <laughs> to get that, get that out there. But I mean, speaking of, how long these movies take and how long this movie took to make. Obviously, stop motion is so time consuming. Right. And already you know that it is going to take years. I will say I found an article. This movie actually took even or has been in the works for even longer than I thought or would have thought or realized because I did find an article uh, or an interview, I'm sorry, with Henry Selleck. All of the um, information that I am going to be referencing, it's all in the, from the same article that was done by the AV Club. Mm -hmm. or the, the AV Club by Todd Gilchrist is the actual person who was doing the interview um, with Henry Selleck. But in it, he talks about how they started recording for this and like putting together the um, character designs and everything with Key and Peel. They started doing that before Get Out even came out. Yeah. Like Jordan like, Peel didn't know if Get Out was going to be a success or not by that point. And he just was like, <laughs> let's do Wendell Wild. Like, let's hurry and get in there and then do this just in case. But yeah, Get Out hadn't even been released yet by the time that they started recording their lines and everything. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think about just how long this process takes. And the idea that this predates Get Out is kind of wild, but it's true. Like, 
I'm fairly sure Henry Selleck is on record on quite a few interviews. Um, I also saw an interview um, with Adam Savage, where he does a full interview talking about the behind the scenes of like making Wendell and Wild, and um, they just talk about the inception of this whole thing. Uh, apparently, came from now we talk about not putting too much of the Jordan Peele gloss over things, but like watching Key and Peele was a great inspiration for him in doing this project in the first place. He really loved them as a comedic duo and wanted to work with them in some capacity, so he reached out. And the idea that they had already kind of formed this partnership before Jordan Peele was the Jordan Peele that we know that he is, is kind of nuts to me, because I had no idea that this was such a long time coming. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, definitely, because I, like I said, a lot of stop motion is collaboration. Henry Selick, um said that he loves to collaborate and that he yeah he used a lot of if you guys have watched the movie or even if you've just seen the trailer or like a, a promo poster for it it's very obvious that the characters of Wendell and Wilde are caricatures of K or Key and Peele they're obviously based very heavily on them and they are not the main characters, but for the most part, they are top characters of this movie. And you can tell that a lot of their characterization was solely based on who they are as people and then got brought into the film. I know that they were allowed to improv quite a bit. Um, he said that they would have kind of alternate versions of lines so if mm -hmm. he wanted to swap in a new line that they said because he wanted them to be able to riff and kind of do their own thing because by all means they are the comedic relief of this movie this mm -hmm. movie does have some very deep serious issues and so i think it's very helpful to have people to lighten that and that is their job in this and you can tell that they took that job very seriously and they were able to bring what was needed for that. And I do think a lot of that has to do with that collaboration that they were able to have. And originally they didn't even want, I know for sure, like Jordan Peele um, and probably Keegan, Michael Key also didn't want the char characters to look like them or be based off of them. Right. And it was only after seeing the sketches that they were like, yeah, this, this works. Like, yeah. This looks and, cool. And I do think that's that caricature, that caricature style um, brought to us from Pablo Lobato, like that style that goes throughout all of the characters, I think really works. And it's very cool within the spectrum of stop motion because mm -hmm. it's taking this art medium that works very well in the 2D space and then transferring it over to the 3D space. It creates this very nice contrast between the the images of the characters um, in regards to like their backgrounds and just how they operate in the space. I think that it does add this cool extra layer to stop motion that I feel like I haven't really, at least for myself, seen too much of, which is kind of like this caricature -y look within this mm -hmm. 3D space, along with all the moving um, pieces that come with stop motion. Uh, I think it's a very dope design choice and I'm really happy that they ended up coming around to the idea of using their actual images because even looking at like the cast list compared to the people who are 
or I'm sorry, looking at the characters compared to the cast list of the people who are their voices, a lot of the characters share some small similarities with their voice actors. And I think that's always fun. I think one for the people watching to be like, oh, I recognize it's that face, but also for the people performing to be like, oh, that's me. That's a part of this project, not just necessarily right. this character that I'm playing. Um, and yeah, I think it gives this movie a fun identity that um, made it very enjoyable to see more and more characters get introduced because I'm always like, what's the next character going to look like? Or like, what's the next character design going to look like? Because um, that's a big thing that was a pro for me in this one is I think the character designs for all of the characters is so cool and flavorful. Like, I absolutely love the way that everyone looks visually. Yeah, no, I I agree with you because this one is interesting in the sense of it's a really big mix of people that are to a certain degree kind of meant to look like people and then these characters that are kind of whatever they wanted them to be demons, zombies, mm -hmm. these we kind of were able to really one run wild um with that world but you could tell that there was it's crazy how i feel like well they were able to blend the world of react quote unquote reality and then the world of the fantastical in this one because obviously you know you have Coraline and in that everything is meant to have more of a doll like quality you're meant to see the seams on those characters they're meant to be a little bit more of a I don't want to say a, uh, like a children's drawing or like a children's sketch mm -hmm. um, and then you even have you know Nightmare where they are you're not dealing with humans uh, for the most yeah. part and so you're dealing with these like other worlds where everybody looks very much like they fit into a very specific world. And this one, we're in the real world. And a lot of these characters, I feel like, yeah, you're right. You can tell that they're really based off of people. And then we just heightened certain qualities of them. Like mm -hmm. there are very specific things. It's not like everybody has a specific style it's not like everybody is all like wide eyed and, and pale skin. It's more so that each person has like a specific thing about them that just like a caricature artist would gets exaggerated. And that's mm -hmm. very specific to that character. And then it's different for everybody, which is cool. It was fun to see. And I feel like things like that are always nice, especially in movies like this, where you are kind of putting a spotlight on characters who don't normally get represented in stop motion True. i think it's very important that there is still a realistic a realistic aspect to them because you do want people to look at them and say oh my god i've never seen myself represented in this sort of a medium and you don't mm -hmm. want to go too far where it's like okay i guess that's supposed to be like me yeah but now i kind of like but it doesn't look like me at all kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah, there's like a fine line between that caricature and then like stereotype, you know? And like right. you you definitely want to thread that needle as as well as you can. But I do think this movie does a pretty good job of it, um, in my opinion. I think so too. I think they did a really great job. I feel like both worlds were just as interesting to me, just as exciting to me. Mm -hmm. And I was 
I liked every character's design. I think especially it was really fun to see the characters who we got to see in both aspects, the characters who went from living to the undead within this movie. It was kind of cool to see how there were slight changes to them, but they still had that same feeling, that same quality as when they were alive. Yeah, that was really cool. It was also nice to see like little nudges of things that some of us around our age group will remember. Like even the way like the spirits looked in the underworld, I think was very reminiscent of like Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then um, it's a bit of a, for me, it's a nice nostalgia trip, honestly, just to see these characters that look like Key and Peele also living in the world of Henry Selleck because it's like it's two things that you know for some of us maybe we thought we weren't ever gonna get again you know like Key and Peele's been done for a little bit never thought we'd necessarily get that combo again and Henry Selleck is on record saying like he was kind of good after Coraline like he had some other ideas for things but he wasn't really necessarily in a rush to do any of these um But through this movie, we get to see both of those worlds come together. And I think mm-hmm. that's like uh, for someone who, again, is in our age bracket and who has seen these different mediums develop over time. It's just really nice to see them together and like working in unison in such a very collaborative effort. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Um, so with that being said. Mm hmm. Shall we get into the our thoughts on the movie as a whole and this plot and all of those details um, a little bit more? We can always thread in our um, background information. Background info. I think that sounds pretty good. Um, Okie dokie. So, well, then, I guess without further ado, um, Erica, could you let me know what's in your notebook? Okay. My first note was, Mm-hmm. Nothing good ever comes from a candy apple. I hate <laughs> candy apples. I know I you do. Freaking hate candy apples. And you know They're what? They're a bad omen, though. They really are. They're a bad omen. I mean, how many times do we need the proof? Do we need the evidence <laughs> that candy apples must be stopped? Candy. That's just pure, pure tooth-breaking sugar. <laughs> tempered outside of an apple here's the thing an apple is already sweet so why are we just putting pure sugar outside of an apple at least with caramel it's a different flavor you get some mm-hmm. saltiness chocolate it's sweet but you get a little bit of like that dark bitterness to it what is the candy bringing to the table <laughs> nothing and once again we see it not only does this candy apple sound like actual glass when she bites into it it kills her parents <laughs> <laughs> to a certain degree it is uh the cause of a horrible accident and i knew as soon as she had that candy apple i was like this it's giving me Disney vibes, whereas where a parent, I, I at least one parent is going to die in the very mm-hmm. beginning of this movie. Um, but in this one, both of her parents, unfortunately, uh, die right after we're introduced to them. Yeah, it's pretty tragic, not going to lie. And I mean, when you when you're getting into that scene, right, like after we get the setup of like the brewery and meeting the family and the moment they get into that car and the thunder and lightning start, I feel like you already know, like for most experienced viewers, you already know 
that something bad is going to happen. The characters even say it themselves. Um, but I gotta be honest, I was not ready for her to just straight up lose both her parents in the mm -hmm. first five minutes. I think that that is the kind of thing that will scar you as a kid. <laughs> and I think yeah. that may have been one of the things that influenced my uh, naughty or nice scale a little bit. But that's what I'm talking about. Like, this movie goes straight for it from the get. And I kind of respect it for it. No, yeah, it's it's intense right away. And I think, obviously, from the trailers, for anybody who watched them, clearly something bad had happened to her in her childhood mm -hmm. um but i guess what i wasn't expecting was the way that the accident played out and the fact that she was there for it and she also is kind of harboring a little bit of grief for thinking that she may have caused part of it right which honestly i think was really i think the way that it played out is really smart it's really clever in the sense of there's an extra layer obviously something like that happening could have a severe effect on such a small child because she's eight when it happens yeah something like that happening already would could potentially really impact a kid and really change the trajectory of their life and the way that they are but i think you have this extra added element where it's not that it's just a freak accident in the sense of, oh, it's not like they just swerved their car and, and fell off. She screams because there is a two-headed worm <laughs> in mm -hmm. her apple. Um, she screams, and because she screams, her dad turns around, obviously reacting to her screaming, and he takes his eyes off the wheel, and then they get into the accident. And that, to her, feels like more of a... I caused it than a it just happened kind of a thing, which is a lot for a kid to take on. Because I think as a child, it's hard to say everybody around you can say, oh, it's just, like you know, things like this. It's crazy that something like this happened. Like, you know, what are the odds? It's things like this just don't happen, blah, 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 blah. You, they can say that to a kid as much as they want. But in her head, it was a cause and an effect. I screamed. He looked. and we crashed and i feel like that layer is such an important part to her character and overcoming this resentment that she doesn't just have because of the death it's resentment that she has for herself because of the death yeah she even says that within the context of the film where she's like i thought i would just hate myself for the rest of my life because mm -hmm. you know i'm the reason that my parents aren't here anymore and it's a very it's very heavy subject matter, um, especially in the context of child trauma and like what the what effect that can have on someone and like what they have to deal with. And so I think it's a great narrative choice to bring us into the present where we have now the 13 year old cat who has adopted more of a rough and tumble demeanor is, um, you know, for her for in her eyes for her own sake and for her own survival she has adopted this personality um and it feels genuine and it feels like it comes from a real place and i think it's a very organic way to set up this whole idea that like post post the trauma of losing her parents cat gets into some trouble she ends up in the juvenile system and this leads her into this program, the Break the Cycle, which gives her a reason to come back to town 
Um, cause I think, I think it's smart to have the character of Kat leave town after that happens. Mm -hmm. Like they don't, she doesn't want to stay in the place where her trauma took place. She wants to go somewhere to attempt to heal or for whatever reason, maybe that's just how, um, the system worked in terms of like getting her a new home, et cetera, et cetera. But like having her leave the town, I think is smart so that when she comes back, she gets to see what effect losing her parents had not just on her, but on Rust Bank in general, because clearly the brewery was bringing in a large portion of this town's of income. Because mm -hmm. um, even though we don't get to see too much of it before we we lose uh, her parents, we do get to see a little bit of it. And then the aftermath is just a town devoid of life. It's decrepit, like everything's run down. And you can tell it's just because there's people are leaving, like no one's there anymore. And mm -hmm. the lack of her family being there seems to be a, a direct cause and effect. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there. It, when we come back to this town, this movie begins, it's full of color. Mm -hmm. It is a very colorful movie when it first starts. And then, yeah, we come back and all of a sudden it's just, just you can tell there's been no money being funneled into this town, no love, no care. They haven't even fixed the bridge. It's from the accident. They just still have caution tape which up. Which is because, nuts. Five which years. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. Um, but it's your first indication that, oh, there's no stream of income. Mm -hmm. They don't, there's nothing coming in this town. There's no repairs being made. There's nobody who is really, it's seemingly even working in this town anymore. Everything is just destroyed, locked down, impounded, decrepit, all the houses. She like goes by her old house and it's completely boarded up. And you really realize that the only it's like the only things that are getting money are like institutes, like prisons, schools. Um, but even the schools are barely hanging on. Yeah, um, struggling. Because we find out pretty quickly that one of the reasons that she has been accepted into the school is because they need that money that that program is going to give them for taking her in basically and so it's just another instance i feel like also though for her where she because i feel like money is like a really big part of this movie and mm -hmm. what people are willing to do for money and how a lot of times things that shouldn't be used for money or that's all it becomes and i feel like cat is kind of a personification of that because a lot of the adults that she sees around her she feels like they see her as like a huge money sign yeah. of like that's their only really reason for caring about her bringing her in and so that's i mean she already has walls up but that's just another reason for her to build these walls up yeah is because she doesn't trust any of the adults in her life but she's not open enough to any of the people her age because she doesn't want to get close to anybody. She thinks that it's kind of a waste of time and that it's going to end poorly. So she doesn't really have any age range that she is comfortable around at this point. Besides, she just likes to be alone. Yeah. And I mean, that makes a lot of sense to just, you know, from 
the event in her past why she'd have such an aversion to wanting to make connections with new people but i love the fact that she's not a naive character and that even when she meets uh father Bess and sees like the state of the school mm -hmm. is so quick to be able to be like oh this is a hundred percent a money thing like this isn't about my well-being or about me like you're just working the system to benefit yourself and despite the fact that yes yeah, she's a 13 year old girl uh, Goyle. Gail. <laughs> Goyle. <laughs> Despite the fact that she's a 13-year-old girl, um, I like that she's privy to the way that the world works in some sense. Um, I do think you're right. I do think money has a very big effect on the events of this movie and the things that the characters are working towards and doing. But I like that it's presented in a kid-friendly way where it's like money is controlling everything around these kids, right? But what's happening in the moment is what the kids are worried about. Like, even if Kat has some semblance of knowledge that money has to do with her situation, when it gets into like bringing her parents back or just like the things that she's dealing with in the moment that like right now, right, like that stuff, that's what they're worried about. And I think that's very reminiscent of like when you're kids, like when you're younger, money, you understand the concept of money. You know that it exists. You know that it makes the world go round, but it's not like necessarily your everyday life, depending on, you know, your situation. Right. And so I think that having it be such a driving force in the story while not being distracting from the kind of mystical whimsy of things is a very smart uh, way of mm -hmm. going about it. Yeah, it's more of like a just a kind of a it always feels like it's in the background, the importance mm -hmm. of it, but it never is too forefront where it's the only focus of the film. Because I would, I, I feel like another example of that would be um, Raul's mom, mm -hmm. whose name I did not write down. But I feel like she's another example of that, of money being a part of her story. And it's like you can tell that it's kind of leading her but that is not her main story it's like yeah. obviously her losing her job and potentially losing their house is a huge it's the first time we meet her she's about to get fired and she's yeah. really worried about it but i don't know it feels more of like a snapshot of a day than mm -hmm. her story because that's not where her story is about at all her story is about trying to prove that the fire that destroyed the brewery was like someone set it on fire it wasn't an accident it was arson mm -hmm. and yeah. that continues to be her main focus but it's crazy because i i don't know i just think it's so wild because that the whole time i was thinking about that the whole time that that little nugget was implanted in my brain and i always kind of rethought about it every once in a while but i never focused on it it, it was like I knew that that was an element of her character. I knew that that was a layer of her character. But it never overtook everything else that was happening in her yeah. life. Ex Nor did it feel like it really had a huge effect on Raul as well. It was mm -hmm. like Raul was going about his life the way that I think he normally would. But with the context that this is happening in the background with all this money right. stuff. Right. And I feel like the only characters where it really does, you know, kind of become a huge issue are the characters where that is their only drive. 
which mm-hmm. would be the the Claxons, the Claxons, and then also Father Best, who oh, yeah. kind Father of Father Best as well. Father Best doesn't necessarily always feel that way, but as time goes on in the movie, he becomes more money hungry. I feel like the more he gets involved with the Claxons, the more that that becomes an issue. Um, but for sure, the Claxons. It's very clear that money is their only drive. And so it's important to them, obviously. But as far as our other characters go, it's kind of like these moments in their life where obviously that is important, that is necessary. But and it's driving them, but it feels like an internal drive. Mm -hmm. It's never that apparent to the audience. True. And I definitely want to talk about the Claxons here in a second, but right before that, (laughs) um, the thing I do also love about the story, too, is the other setting that we have, which is this underworld setting for Wendell and Wilde, and, like, this portion, this kind of, like, uh, parallel narrative happening along with our main one with Kat, and these, like, two demons who are trapped on their dad's head on hair re- re- renewal duty um yeah. i think it's like a really funny situation that they're in um however it's interesting how they got there right um in terms of just like they're in their situation because they dream too big um but i love the introduction of this underworld i love the vibe i love the feel of it i think um the musical choice of having ghost town playing um was a very nice uh, draw into this world. Um, honestly, I really love the whole like Afro punk esque mm-hmm. like uh, soundtrack, soundtrack that's attached mm-hmm. to this movie. I think it really works for the vibe. Um, but seeing this underworld and seeing this dark carnival idea, which will lead to be a bigger plot point for Wendell and Wild later, um, it's still very cool. I was very enamored by that. This is where the st- the love for stop motion kind of took over and just watching this carnival move and like how the the spirits of people, it seems like how they're having mm-hmm. the time of their life while also being tortured at the same time. But it never really feels too dark because, again, everything has that like glossy stop motion whimsy to it. So it's like. You're watching people's souls get tortured, but you're also like, but they're having fun. This looks like a good time. <laughs> I never thought they were having fun. These people look like they are fighting for their lives. Because, yeah, it's he, the whole thing is he has an amusement park that these people, their souls are forced to go to every day. They're forced to attend. And it's just these ways of torturing him. But yeah, you're right, because everything is on a roller coaster. And it's like, oh, it's the teacups, but it's actually full of scalding hot liquid (laughs) where there's a certain playfulness to it. But then you get those moments where you really can see the souls. You can really see their faces. And (laughs) they go through it. (laughs) They really are upset. They're really Mm -hmm. upset. And I'm like, oh, man. But yeah, we have Wendell and Wilde who are... When we first get introduced to them, all we really know is that they're being punished for something and this is their punishment. Mm -hmm. And then as time goes on, we kind of learn more and more about them and why they probably got punished and what they want to do. But their whole idea is to make another amusement park, but they want to make one that people actually want to go to. They want to make one that's fun. They want to make one that isn't tortury it's legitimately just like an awesome amusement park that people will choose to go to and they'll have fun at 
that is their whole plan. And so they want to do, they can't do it in the underworld because they are meant to be punished. They, they're not supposed to be able to go and have fun. So they decide they want to go up into the real world when they discover that they have a hell maiden on their hands. It's a bear's a bubble. From the land of the living. Good news, cousins. You've got a hell maiden. <gasps> That's the girl in our vision. Same one. Yes, I marked her hand so you'll know. Marked her hand? Rejoice. It's a new day in your miserable lives. Hell maidens are real. Wild? Imagine she could summon us to the land of the living. But, but the demons aren't allowed up there. I mean, bells are claims. It's dangerous. Dangerous. Wild. He's never even been there. Then that's where we'll build our fair. What? <laughs> that's amazing. Wild, you're right. He would never know. <laughs> Stick it to the man. <laughs> Not so loud, but right under his nose. So what do we do now? I think it's time to see our hell maiden. Got any spare hair cream? <laughs> Let the revisioning begin. We get this whole other story. This is kind of a like a coming of age gaining superpowers story as well because cat mm -hmm. discovers that she's a hell maiden and with that discovery comes some powers that she has she can see in the to the future but she doesn't know how to use these powers she doesn't know how to harness them she doesn't know that they're connected um, right. and that was fun i did really like that element of the her being able to see into the future I, I thought that was really cool. I Later on, like towards the end of the movie, that I love those sequences of her seeing into the future and mm -hmm. like things, how she can change things and the way that it looks when she can see into the future for some reason it reminds me of Hercules. Yeah, Like the art style. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I really liked that. But it's, I like seeing her, the whole Hell Maiden idea and that she has demons that are connected to her, but they're very specific to her. It's like she has yeah. certain demons that kind of call to her and that she can either become like tethered to them or not. I thought that that was a, a cool idea. Um, I mm -hmm. thought it was really fun. I loved the stuff that they did with the hand and how it would come up and like speak for her and mm -hmm. it would glow and how it became more powerful throughout. That was really cool. I, I did not see that coming and I thought that the design of it was awesome. I, I mean, the design of Kat in general is is fantastic. She is... Yeah, I love her design. She's great. She is a characterization for a young black woman that i feel like does not always get portrayed and mm -hmm. that aspect of her personality that side of her her love for music but even her parents and the fact that like they introduced that music to her and that a yeah. lot of who she is came from them i don't think that that gets portrayed a lot um as a side that 
black people can have or that they can enjoy and yeah, I, like the alternative black and what that looks like yeah I, I would yeah i feel like a lot there's a lot of people out there who would have loved to have the imagery of cat um somewhere when they were growing up to like look mm -hmm. up and be like oh yeah that's me on screen yeah because um, you really don't get to see that very often yeah to see this this girl and and to see her i especially loved her hair design and how she like would wrap it up in a pr protective style with like when she went to sleep and how she like would you know do the different stuff with her hair i loved like i loved all of those little details because it's the multifacetedness of it all like it's like yeah mm -hmm. it can be all of these things all at once and <clears throat> that is can be accurate and can be true. So I loved Kat, but I will say I loved kind of all of the school characters. I, yeah. I mean, I think what they did with Raul was awesome. I loved Raul's, what I appreciated about what they did with Raul was Raul is transgender, but that is not all his character is that. Mm -hmm is obviously important to him as a person and it is an important aspect of his character but i like that he has his own journey like and he mm -hmm. very much could have become that oh i'm just here to help cat but he kind of has his own like little quest that he's on and yeah his purpose is to help cat but i feel like i know more about raul separate from Kat than I know of him connected to her. If yeah, that makes sense. very true. Yeah, they just and seem like people that. that met each other and became friends over time. Not like mm -hmm. I am tethered to you by plot to just do everything that I need to to make sure your life is good. It's like, yeah. I was doing my own thing before you got here, Kat, but happy to right, see you. Like, another... I'm a <laughs> fucking talented artist on my own. But hi. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with you. I think the way that Raul was handled was very nicely done. And yeah, like I said earlier on in the episode, I just loved all the character designs. Like even some of the auxiliary characters that were just kind of in the background a lot still had some like talking points, but really were kind of, you know, side characters. I still feel like everybody had a personality. Like every character got at least a little bit of something to make them stand out, to make them feel unique. And yeah. like, even with like the three girls that Kat meets when she first gets there, like they're there for a majority of the movie. They don't do necessarily too, too much, but you do get to spend at least a little bit of time with each of them to get a taste of what their personality is like. And then, yes. you know, as you spend more time with them, they start to deviate from each other and they become a little bit more individual. I think at the start, it's very much like that group energy, like that group of girls energy. But then by the end of the movie, I think all three of them have different traits that you would attribute to each one respectively. Yes, I actually really liked them as well because originally when it started, I thought, oh, okay, here we go. Here's our mean girls group, but mm -hmm. they're not. They're no. not mean. They're overly friendly, but not because they have malicious intent or anything. They're overly trying to make Kat feel comfortable, but that's the exact opposite of what she wants. She doesn't want anyone to latch onto her. She doesn't want friends. And so their eagerness to be her friend is very off-putting because that is not the type of person that she is. However, I appreciated that they... That did could turn have them. very 
into enemies, yeah, right? Yes. Like, they yeah. could have very easily. I thought there was a minute where they were going to take Siobhan, who was like the main girl of the group. I thought there was a minute where they were going to take her and she was going to become that mean girl. And there was going to be like this battle between them. And it's not. She stays pretty consistent. The worst thing, like she, she doesn't listen and what like she doesn't listen to what cat wants she is a little bit dismissive of cat's feelings and what she would prefer but like i said it's not coming from a mean-spirited place it's just she really wants to be her friend and like really wants to bring her into her friend group whether cat likes it or not which like respect her boundaries but Mm -hmm. i think they did a good job of making it where she is a kid who's still kind of trying to navigate this new person who is so different from her. And I feel like by the end of it, she comes around. She understands that, you know, she was being really naive about circumstances. She was kind of blindly f- putting her faith into her parents and that she has been living in this. I think her character just has been living in this very shiny happy everything's great bubble and has been Mm -hmm. kind of putting blinders on to the fact that this town is crumbling around them and it's because of her parents and that that is not okay and i feel like by the end of it she does come to realize that and comes to accept it in a way of okay well how can i help make things better and it's the same for the other two girls they're even at the end like they obviously all care about this town and want the best for everybody in it. It's just the circumstances are crazy. Like, how do you navigate those circumstances as a, as a child? And like, how do you deal with those emotions and, yeah. and those situations? Yeah, it's really hard. And like, I think what we see of them just taking it day by day, just living out their life at school and just trying to carve the happiest life that they can out of their situation makes a lot of sense and um i feel like it's stuff like that that really grounds the story um and what i enjoy too is the way that we kind of handle our villains in this one as well because i feel like the first half of the movie arguably it's a little bit we get mention of the klaxon corp and like their their kind of uh, vice grip on the city after the passing of the cat's parents. But we still have the setup of the underworld and the idea that Wendell and Wilde need to get to the real world and what's going to happen there. Um, so even when they first meet with Cat and they have their conversation, we as the audience get the get the full scope of things that these two are willing to say whatever they need to to get what they want. Like, it's not necessarily that they're evil but they just have a thing that they're working towards and they know that this young girl is the way that they get that so they're like yeah we'll say yes to whatever you need us to say yes to as long as you bring us to the real world um but i love that the characters are nuanced enough that once they get that agreement right they still think about well is there a way that we can actually bring back her parents i know we just said that but like is there like once they notice that the cream has a magical effect they're like hey maybe we can actually use this to uh, help homegirl out. Like, I enjoy that the characters aren't just evil just because they're demons. Like, they're, there's right. more layers to them than that. Right. Well, and I mean, even for Belzer, I mm-hmm. feel like it's the same thing. 
he kind of gets introduced into the later half as a possible other antagonist that they're going to have to deal with. And it's not just that black and white of, oh, they're demons, so they're bad kind of a thing. Um, really, our humans, our klaxons are our biggest threat, our biggest yeah. issue in this in this movie at the end of the day. But it's it is nice because you I feel it it opens up the possibility to have some extra side stories and you have this whole thing with Belzer's kid had all these kids that just went never came home and that's the reason that he's so overprotective with with Wendell and Wild and all of these things where I feel like it comes together really nicely in the end mm-hmm. and it allows for some discoveries to be made rather than it being, oh, Belzer's just a bad guy and that's what it is the whole time, which, you know, can it works works as well. But I feel like in this movie, I like the way that everything ties together at the end because everything just, all of the storylines intersect perfectly for me at the end. Like everything that we've been going around and learning about all of the characters throughout, I feel like comes together very well um, by the end of it. Now, that being said, I will say mm-hmm. I do have a con for this mm-hmm. movie, um, which also kind of ties into what I was saying. So when Henry Selick came up with the idea for this story, he came up with it 20 years ago. It was inspired by his sons. Um, he said when they were little and acting badly, he drew them as demons. And then he wrote a seven-page story. And then the movie that we see now was like, grown from that with input from Jordan Peele and they kind of collaborated and built out this story which I'm like that's cool that's really awesome but at I can kind of (laughs) tell that it Mm -hmm. started as a story that was very simple and maybe a little bit too simple and therefore would not have been a full-length story and then a lot got added onto it and I think it was (sighs) I'm torn because I do, I'm serious when I say by the end of this movie, I love the way that everything ties together, but there are a lot of threads in this mm-hmm. movie. There are a lot. And at times I felt like it was too many threads. It was like almost so many plot lines, so many storylines, so many characters all doing their different things and they were weaving in and out of each other. But I felt like at times it got muddy mm-hmm. because there was so much going on and I wanted to be focusing on this aspect of it, but I couldn't because we were over here dealing with the demons in a jar. Yeah. And then I wanted to see what Wendell and Wild were doing, but we couldn't because we were bringing some old council members back from the dead. It mm-hmm. was like a lot of these little moments that felt like they could have almost been from another movie, mm-hmm. but they were all in this movie <laughs> and they came together in the end. But I'm not going to lie. There were times there in the middle where I just felt like it was too much. It was too convoluted at times. I didn't care as much about certain plot lines as I did about others. And I almost was thinking, what would have happened if this wasn't here like what would have happened if uh, if we didn't have manberg Mm -hmm. and we just had 
Sister Helly. She was the expert. I feel like we could have had that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, do we need Manberg? I don't know. I don't know if we did because it was another thread that was not as interesting to me as what was going on with Kat and Wendell and Wild. See, and part of me had a feeling that that was like part of the reason because that's where I, I felt that too towards like Manberg and certain aspects of the um why why the word leave me um what they're called uh once they have the hand hell oh uh, hell maidens thank you um yeah i felt that about manberg and then certain aspects of the whole hell maiden subplot too because even with the character of sister heli there's a lot of things about their dynamic and their situation that we don't cover in this movie which for me part of that leads me to think that like there are some plans outside of Wendell and Wild to explore that world because clearly there are things that have happened there within this universe that we don't know. And I think that's fine. And I think that does work sometimes to just have like, hey, this this storyline or this plot line has been going on regardless of the situation that's currently happening. And it is just now involved in the situation. I think that's fine. But in, circum in situations like this where, one, I do think Wild and Wild, although I enjoyed the entire watch through, it does kind of stray a little bit on the long side. And I think it's because it's trying to introduce so many different plot lines. And so for something like the, the Manberg situation, it's like you're introducing some cool stuff here. Um, but if we don't see it all the way to its full fruition, like it doesn't have it doesn't feel as worth it, you know, mm -hmm. in the context of like just this movie, because it's like. Right. You're introducing these ideas of these characters, but in the grand scope of things, that's not what's necessarily important right now. It's cool information, but how does it drive what's currently happening? And I was okay with it, but I hear the argument for whether or not we needed it in this. Right. And 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 the thing about it is like Manberg, I actually like I I I enjoyed the mystery of his character and how everything got tied together his relationship to heli i thought was was cool but i guess there was a point there where the claxons were doing their thing and all that stuff was happening with the claxons but then mm -hmm. we also had the stuff happening with cat's parents and mm -hmm. we also had the stuff happening with one on wild and mm -hmm. they were supposed to be controlling cat but then Cat broke free, mm -hmm. and then Heli had a head injury that mm -hmm. was healed immediately. <laughs> a lot of things happened. <laughs> like, a lot of stuff happens in the movie. And it felt at times like everything got thrown into the pot. Every seasoning got thrown into the pot, whether it belonged there or not. We were making tomato soup. We had cinnamon in there. <laughs> <laughs> we had tapatio. We had salt, pepper, garlic, salt, onions, potatoes, Oreos for some reason. You know, like that's what it felt like at a certain point. And although I think that there were a lot of fun moments that that came because of that. I also kind of feel like this story could have been just streamlined a little bit more because, yeah, I don't want to rely on the possibility of, oh, maybe they would explore this in the future. I kind of want to know more about being a hell maiden. I kind of wanted to see Kat 
and Sister Helly discuss that a little bit more. I wanted to see Kat and Wendell and Wild kind of interact a little bit more. I wanted to see a little bit more of that side of things. But then at the same time, it's hard because you've introduced this idea with the Claxons that is so inherent to the pro- the plot. We have to see this finished. We have mm. to see this realized. And so we do have to cover this aspect of it as well. So then you get into this point of which side is more important. And it felt like for a while there it was the Claxons. And then all of a sudden it was her parents and what was going on with them. And then the Claxons came back in the end. And... Well, yeah, because it's a lot of it like the main conflict of the story right is the Claxons want to demolish the town town, to make room for their prison that is the main conflict of this story that we're in right now and so the way that we get there is kind of is pretty convenient right where like we got characters being raised from the dead which leads the Claxons to learn that they can now raise from the dead the council Mm -hmm. members that will get them the votes Mm -hmm. to allow them to put their prisons there like the things like you said they do all like mesh together when they need to but when they're not doing that they do kind of like stray off into their own directions and like come back Mm -hmm. together at times um and so like i think that in in that that's where a lot of the you know the confusion and then like the the parts that don't necessarily they feel a little bit superfluous because they're like why are we covering that right now how does that have to do with the main issue i think that's where a lot of those things come into play um and I got to be honest, like, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that yet because I agree with you. But in the same sense, I think that chaoticness is kind of one of the things that I like about this movie. I mm. like that it gets so freaking wild and crazy and kooky and, and chaotic and then somehow finds a way to come back together and come back into the main plot and like these like ebbs and flows of like where the hell the story is going. I kind of enjoyed that journey just Mm -hmm. because by the end of it, things do actually get tied up. If by the end, like we still had all the main thread lines flying every which direction that maybe I feel a little bit differently. Um, But because things do get kind of wrapped up in a bow by the end, I let things slide in retrospect, maybe not while I was watching it, but like after the movie was done and like the full experience was over, I was like, okay, I see why we spent time on that. Um, Because they stuck the landing. That is something (laughs) I will say to them. They freaking stuck. They might have been doing all kinds of flips and tricks and shit in the air, but they stuck that landing because I love the last five minutes of this movie to me were fantastic from the Mm -hmm. minute that they go to stop the bulldozers and they are all working together like all of that ending and her showing her parents the future and i thought that that was fantastic i love the ending of this movie which is why i said i was so torn because we wouldn't have gotten there i don't think we would have had that if all of those plot lines didn't mesh together yeah or at converge some at some point right because it's like why would siobhan have been there if her whole the whole thing with her parents hadn't have happened mm-hmm. wendell and wild have to be there um we need people for them to fight so you got the council members them. yeah we need the skeletons <laughs> for them to fight i suppose and 
so that all is is great yeah the ending of this is really fun and i like that obviously the whole a lot of this movie hinges on cat and her having to overcome her demons what i will say is i will i really appreciated what they did do with her and her parents once they came back because mm-hmm. it, it i don't know it just felt right it never got overly sentimental. I feel like they gave her exactly what they needed to give her for her to kind of overcome without them walking her through it. Because it's not really them telling her that it wasn't her fault that makes her realize it. It still kind of has to come from her and her right. just like reassessing everything. But I like that they never really get too much time to sit and talk and catch up it's like they get these glimpses of each other and i like this realization for her parents that she's older and she's tough like she's gotten a lot tougher and Mm -hmm. to some degree that makes them sad but you can also tell that they're really proud of her and like proud of how she has matured and how she has been able to handle and survive in her life and that she is able to face these sorts of situations and they don't have to be worried about her. And I love that the stuff that they have these moments of reconnection, um, but it never feels overtly like hallmarky, which I feel like it could have easily done if they was like, Oh my beautiful baby. Like there's never anything like that. Cause they're dead. Like, and they're confused. They're like, we've been dead. Like what's going on? But I, I, I really do think this one of the smarter things they did is when people come back from the dead and they haven't been dead for like years and years and years and years <laughs> when yeah. people come back and they're freshly dead. I do like that they still retain their personality because I love that her parents are still themselves. There's like a very calm kind of cool demeanor to them that I mm-hmm. thought was cool seeing them as zombies, but they still have that like, what the fuck is going on kind of spirit. <laughs> And also, same thing for Father Best. I like that he is still himself. It's not like they come back and they're twisted and they're wrong. And yeah. that's not the issue. The issue is just that they can't sustain being alive. It mm-hmm. it wears off. I like that that's the issue yeah. and not that and it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, and I like that, that that was also the direction they went as well. Because, like, yeah, when the initial resurrection was happening, I was like, okay, where are we going with this? Like, mm-hmm. how are we going to handle this? And I do think that was the best way to do it. It's just like, yeah, we're just back now. Like, we yeah. were dead, but now we're not dead. We're in dead bodies, but we're it's us. Um, and then, but then it also would make sense for the characters who don't have their sensibilities anymore. It's covered by the plot because they've been dead for way longer. So it makes sense that they would not retain their, their personalities and whatnot. Um, but all of that goes back to my feelings about how they handle the, the struggle between the protagonists and the antagonist here, because it's like setting up who's really the bad guy. It changes, I think, several times throughout the movie, because like even when they're resurrecting the dead and like Father Best comes back, uh, he sort of takes a villainous role, but honestly, not really like. He just wants to have enough funding for his school. That's his main thing that he's going through. And even with the whole, like, 
he is in direct conflict with what Kat wants, right? Like she wants her parents back. He's like, ah, we can't really do that because then I'm not, I'm gonna lose my funding. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a shitty thing to do, but it's in line with like his overall goal, right? And Wendell and Wild, they're just bringing people back because it will lead them to their goal of like oh, doing this seems to be getting us right on track to getting mm-hmm. our. To getting our amusement park and like yeah we would definitely want to bring back cat's parents but like if we do that we're not going to be able to get to do our thing so like you know like the people's yeah. decision makings they're not they're not very cut and dry about what's the right thing and wrong thing to do right. outside of the klaxons which <laughs> since we spent so much time talking about um i liked them as villains i do think that they uh were very fun characters to follow as the villains. Um, I love Lane's design. I love that he was like a combination of like <laughs> Trump and like, um, uh, oh, what's his name? The English guy, I'm forgetting. Um, Boris Johnson? Yeah, he. I love like that he was like a combination Boris of, like, of Trump and, and, and Boris Johnson. And like, I like that they're, they're kind of made to represent people in the real world, but again, going with this caricature style. Um, it's, I think the main thing I liked about who was the villain was I love that it was people who were the villains and not the mm-hmm. demons. Like, yeah. I love that we had so much framing with the Hell Maidens, the Underworld, um, Belzar, or Belzar, whatever his name is, and like this whole situation. We have all this going, and then guess what? Turns out the people up top, they were the actual villains. So like, I mm-hmm. I think that's a great dynamic for uh, for this kind of story. Yeah, I agree. I like that they, in, at the end of the day, were the biggest issue. Like, the they had other things that, were fo- that they were focusing on, but at the end of the day, the Claxtons were really pulling the strings for the majority of what happens in this film, the majority of the bad things that happen in this film. I like their character designs. I like that they are the most caricature of anybody because they are meant to be these villains, and it's very clear that they're meant to be the villains. And also, I like that they don't pull any punches with these characters. We're never... It's never a question of oh, well, are they the villains? It's very clear. I mean, we meet them and immediately they kill somebody. And (laughs) it's never a question mark. Uh, They're never trying to act like they're not. They Mm -hmm. very much are these bad people. And I like that she, she reminds me of Cruella DeVille. She's just kind of, or or in um, Angelica's, doll Cynthia that's what she also reminds me of (laughs) from the Rugrats but I like how wild and crazy she is and I also like that by the end of it they are so kind of wild and reckless that not even their daughter being in the line of danger matters to them anymore I, I feel like as this movie goes along they become the most kind of crazy and and kind of they lose it the most out of everybody just because as their goal gets closer i like that their facade falls more and more because it's already crumbling like i said to begin with that Mm -hmm. mask the cracks (laughs) we can see all of them by the end it is just falling apart and i love that end shot where 
there in the police car and his blonde wig flies <laughs> off. <laughs> but it's I mean, so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous, but it's like, yo, these these are such villainous characters. Like like I said, they murder somebody in the first scene. Mm-hmm. We get all this information that they ba- they burned down the brewery, yeah, they killed a killing bunch of people. The people <laughs> killing a bunch of people inside like these people are committing multiple murders all for their big prison plan mm-hmm. it's like these are terrible terrible people um but i love that the w- i love the way that they're weaved into the story i love that siobhan has to deal with that and that you have a character who is on the side of good but mm-hmm. has to deal with the fact that yeah her parents are freaking evil and like what that what effect that has on her and how she has to deal with that Siobhan <laughs> come join the celebration we finally won the vote uh mommy daddy I know the truth about your prisons and what is that Siobhan well you make a pile of money for every prisoner you take so you pack them in like sardines provide crap food crap medical dangerous conditions and zero rehabilitation <laughs> I am proud of you, dear. That's a business model, exactly. Don't some people deserve a second chance? Like KK. Oh, we love those Break the Cycle kids. Going to bust them in by the hundreds to your school. Then we make it impossible for them to succeed there. And when they fail... Our new prison will be waiting with open arms. You're really going to do it, aren't you? Demolish Rustbank. First thing tomorrow, the governor's coming. The press, everybody will be there. Promise you'll be there, Siobhan. Oh, smiles. Uh, I have to go now. I, I have to feed Gabby. I want my promise. Oh, I'll be there, Mummy. I promise. That's my girl. Um, I love the commentary between, like, the defunding of schools and like the funding being transferred to prisons and like all the underlying conversation there. I love that that was present within the film without being like too like beaten over your head. Like it's there for you to analyze, but you're still watching again the story of Cat and her demons. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I, I think I just really appreciated the way that this movie found a great balance between real life issues and then um you know fantasy world building and the way that it was able to meld them together into a story that talks about these issues explores some of these issues but also tells the tale of this girl overcoming her grief and what that Mm -hmm. does for her as a person and her overall growth like i think they just meshed very very well and I don't think it's as easy to do as people may think. Like, I think it's, those are a hard, that's a hard thing to put together into one cohesive sandwich, all right? That sandwich doesn't always taste good, but I think in this case, it was um, quite it's delectable. It was a tasty little treat. Uh, oh, also, too, what I wanted to say earlier, too, is it's the shots, I mean, in mm. this are so cool, so great. Um, yeah, the amusement park one where we first go down and we're following all of the souls is so good. I love, I think some of like the, sh- those shots are some of my favorite, like those almost side panning where we're kind of like following them. Cause I also love the shot where we're panning up with Wendell and wild when they're going up 
to mm-hmm. meet Cat and they end up in the wrong place. That's awesome. The uh, freaking the summoning scene from a from a scene. technical standpoint is fantastic. Like 360 mm-hmm. scoping on on stop motion that's not easy you gotta relight that set that up like make sure no one's in the front like that is hard to do mm-hmm. the scale of what they were doing with these shots in the stop motion i think is unlike anything that we've really seen in stop motion up until now and i think that technology advancing is a big part of that um i do remember hearing uh henry talk about how um, an issue, not really an issue, but something they had to work around was the fact that tel- technology has advanced so much that it's gotten to the point where if they really wanted to, they could really smooth out a lot of the rough edges of stop motion and make it seem like a very seamless animation. But they didn't want to do that because that takes away from some of the magic of stop motion, being able to see that this is a crafted medium that people are painstakingly doing. They didn't want to lose that magic, but still they're finding ways to use the upgrades in technology to mm-hmm. expand the scale of some of the things that they can do. And I think some of the some of the stuff that's in this from just like the way that liquid moves in certain scenes to like when you're looking in the background of like the way the trees and like nature is moving. Mm-hmm. Um, it is honestly a feast for the eyes. Like I did like one and a half watches. Like I did like one watch of just the story and then like a half watch of just kind of like paying attention to the things that were happening in the background and just with the animation in itself. And it's pretty mind blowing how beautiful this movie honestly is. Oh yeah, it's gorgeous. And I will say they still did a good job of, cause uh, like 95% of it is stop motion. But obviously with, what they were doing in this, they did end up needing to use some CG, but it's really only for um, the scenes with the visions that she has and all of that, because it's not, it's more flat. It's mm-hmm. it's it's more of like a cartoon kind of 2D animation style, but it works. It still works in this movie and because it still fits the style and it's just because they're able to do so much with the stop motion they're like able to get such good textures and different stylization through that anyway when it switches over to cg it feels flawless to me and it just works to let you know that it's we're now in a different we're not necessarily in reality anymore mm-hmm. or we're not in the world anymore we're like inside of cat's head and i feel like it worked really well i i i thought it was awesome also too even the sequence of them being in the water like in the car under the water oh yeah um, that was looked i mean insane it looked so good it I mean, I, I was shook. I was, I was <laughs> tr- truly, truly the shook, the shookest. But I mean, I just feel that way anytime I see stop motion. It just blows my mind every freaking time. Just yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, it it really, really is. And this one is no exception. Like, definitely, if you've already watched once or you're about to get ready for a watch, like, pay attention to the things happening in the background. Like, don't let it completely derive you of the story, but just like. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into that stuff. Take a second. Take a look. It'll be worth your while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that is it for for my thoughts. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? 
Um, I think that covers most of it as well. Um, since we did go back to production a little bit, um, one note that I did have here is like because of the timing of this movie, it is kind of a marvel that it still got made because they did have to deal with a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, they had to they had to deal with the pandemic, which was huge, especially in the context of stop motion, like that effect on the studio and having to change the way that they're operating was big. Um, the fires, I don't know if not everybody's on the West Coast here, but for the past couple of years, fires have been a big issue. And apparently like some of those Portland fires that maybe some of you guys have heard of um, got real close to the studio where they had a lot of these sets and a lot of these um, uh, pieces for this movie. And there was a chance that all of it could have gone up in flames. So like they were they were dealing with a lot getting Wendell and Wilde done, but I'm happy that they managed to see it through. They stuck through everything and we still got to get this project finished at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad that it was ended up being successfully finished and completed and hopefully came out exactly the way that they, that they had hoped and that they had wanted it to. Mm -hmm. so, and yeah. oh and also like we talk about how all the character designs are really good all the characters did a phenomenal job but like also like the cast did a great job as well i think like overall all the voice acting was top notch um it was nice to hear some familiar voices too you, you know you got angela bassett mm -hmm. uh james hong ving rames you know, hearing all these familiar voices again, again, it goes back into that nostalgia trip for me where I'm like, there's a lot of familiar things in Wendell and Wilde while it still felt new. And I just love that. Like, it made it a really enjoyable experience for me. Very good, successful voice acting from everybody. Everybody fit their character. I mean, perfectly, like to mm -hmm. a T. And once again, that is probably, probably partly because they are based <laughs> on the way that the people actually look. And so naturally their voices will fit. But even still, I just felt like everybody was perfectly, perfectly cast. Yes. Um, and also, lastly, it took me embarrassingly too long to realize that Manberg's feet were not actually attached to his body didn't oh, really? notice it the whole time did you not see it <laughs> i noticed no i noticed it i just oh, okay. didn't i was saying i didn't realize it that took you me didn't a while it. it took me a, i think it was when he finally like slammed his foot down where i was like oh okay <laughs> them bad also, boys was attached can we talk about the muscles on manberg the fact that this man was racing ahead of a carriage in his <laughs> wheelchair and was keeping up speed uh, this man was flying now granted he was going downhill so maybe he had some trajectory but when you, you could still see him you could still see him pushing the wheelchair i was like damn they really made him <laughs> they really made him go out in front all by himself he like went off a jump landed Full it. zoom in Yo, evil can evil out here look uh, clearly there is more to be learned and told about those characters we'll see um but yeah i, I want to know what's what's manberg's deal uh, you can't mm -hmm. just leave us like that like what's 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 going on there uh, mm -hmm. but yeah i think that's i think that's everything i got uh in terms of wendell and wild um other than what are we going to rate this one out of candy apples candy apples have we used candy Spoiled. apples Spoiled candy apples. I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't know what apples. we would have what we would have used it. Car crash candy apples. I don't know what we would have used it for. <laughs> That's fine. We could do candy apples then. 
Okay. Just regular candy apples, just candy apples in general. I think I think so. I think. Or should so. we do rotten candy apples? Because that was. All right, we could do rotten. rotten. Yeah, it did have a, a two-headed uh, worm in it, so a two-headed worm. Something was not right, and also too, she should have sued the who who gave her that candy apple. That's that's what I'm saying. Though there was some, I'm not gonna dive too deep into it now, but like again, with some of the background stuff that's happening there, you had the two-headed uh, worm in the apple, but then you had like the two-headed beast that Raul's in Raul's painting was being slayed mm-hmm. at the end there. A lot of references to this imagery of this like two-headed like serpent creature. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. like what that was a reference to. I uh, mm-hmm. don't have the answer for that, but it is something that I noticed. I was like, hmm. I wonder if we do get some extra lore on this, whether or not they're going to expand on that. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Food for thought. And something to ponder on the way out. <laughs> um, do you want to go first, or would you like me to go first? Uh, why don't you go first for this one? Okay. I am going to give Wendell and Wild a 4.2. I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's beautiful. I could just sit down and watch this movie and watch all of the imagery. I loved Kat as a main character. I liked what she was facing and I loved the supporting characters. I think that they were awesome. The design of both the underworld and the real world were both so different, but both super interesting to me. And I enjoyed being in both worlds. I really had a fun time exploring all of those avenues. And I liked, like I said, the ending of this to me was awesome. I loved the ending of this movie. And also the beginning of it was super strong as well. But I just still think that it was a lot in the middle of it. There was a lot going on. And although I enjoyed the majority of it, there were times when I thought I just was kind of waiting for us to move on to the next bit or go back to somebody else. Or there were certain aspects that I wanted more focus on, um, a little bit more knowledge on that we did not get because we were focusing on something that to me felt a little bit not as important or not as like it should have been not as in the forefront as it actually was. So that was my only real con um, was I just felt like the plot could use a little bit of trimming. Um, But other than that, I I really enjoyed it. I liked this movie. So, yeah, 4.2 candy apples out of five. I think I'm going to give this one. I think I'm going to give this 4.9 out of five candy apples. Yeah, I personally, I really enjoyed it. I thought now I'm if you listen to the Coraline episode, you know, I'm honestly a very big sucker for stop motion. Um, But that being aside, I still enjoyed the story. Uh, I enjoyed both the narrative and visual journey that it took me on. Um, I think that the characters are very interesting. The plot was interesting. I like that the plot managed to convey some darker themes while stay while still staying in line with the childlike nature of everything. Um, but I do agree with you. I do think that there is a lot of things happening in this movie. I think that you can feel that a bit in the runtime. And there are some interesting ideas that I think were presented 
but not fully explored, especially in the realm of like the Hell Maidens and everything, where if they do something beyond this, um, I will enjoy reaching and finding out more about the universe. But in terms of just this movie, um, it did leave a couple of threads unfinished. And for that, I can't really give it a full on perfect score. But overall, I really liked it, dude. Like it was a really fun movie for me. Um, I'm glad we finally got around to watching it. And uh, I think it's a solid pick for anybody who likes stop motion. I think you're going to have a good time with this. So uh, 4.9 out of 5 candy apples from me. Um, yeah. Also, I did have another thought. Uh, when Kat's parents come back, although it's very heart heartwarming to see them uh, come together and get reunited, when she leaves, she does kiss them on the cheek. And I did audibly oh, say yeah. ew. Cause I'm like them's them's five years of rotten rotten yeah. bodies you just kissed. That's kind of nasty. That's rotten flesh you just kissed. Like, <laughs> girl, yeah, I know. And they probably stank. They stank, right? That's what I was thinking too. Like they have to smell pretty damn bad. Yeah, but I mean, I guess, I guess if you care, if you can, maybe she was like, it's cool. Cool. <laughs> I'll get over I, it. I'll deal with it. I do like that she reacted to that. Like, you know, like she was surprised when she actually saw them. Mm -hmm. Um, because they for sure looked dead. Like for sure, for sure. Yeah. I liked that their their decomposition was further than uh Father Best. True. Um also did you watch the post credits or nah? Was there a scene? There's like a yeah, there's a little thing at the end. Uh if you stick through one, the credit sequence is really dope because you get to see a lot of the people who worked on the film, it's just mm -hmm. like them throughout. I thought that was really cool. Uh, but if you stick around to the end, there is a post credits of like some, I, I, I'm not entirely sure who it is. So forgive me for that. But they're on their phone and like you get a little bit of an image of Kat in the real world, like in our real world, which is like, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a teaser for things to come or whatnot, but it is there at the end. So check it out. Uh, if mm -hmm. you're watching the movie, just stick around to the end and see that post credit scene. Let us know what you think of it, what it may mean, what that may be saying about the Wendell and Wild universe. I don't know. Mm. Okay, I'll have to go back and watch, um, check it out, because I did not mm -hmm. stick. I didn't stick around the whole time. My bad, <laughs> my bad. Um, but we would love to know what you homies think about Wendell and Wild. If you'd like to let us know, you can talk to us on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or if you want to talk a little bit more in depth, you can come into our Discord. Discord is where we hang out with the homies and have some conversations throughout the week. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, the link for that is also in our social media bios. Or you can always email us. You can email us requests, recommendations, and business inquiries. We are homies of horror at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this on Monday, the day that it comes out, that means that we are streaming on Twitch tonight. Twitch is where we play spooky games, hang out with the homies, and have a little bit more chit chat about the episode of the week. So if you would like to come through and say hello, we would love to see you. The link for that is also in our social media bios. And last but not least, if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or a review. You can do both on Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we get, the better. It recommends our show to more listeners. And we just like to hear what you guys are thinking so if you have an apple account and haven't done that yet we'd love for you to or you can gift us some ratings over on spotify uh just go to our name hit the stars underneath and that will rate the show for you but that is it for our first 
slightly off theme holiday episode um <laughs> but we will be back next week with some more holiday horror for you homies catch you next time homies bye